This is Room 64, a podcast from Bar One Health about palliative care. I'm Dominic Black and I'm sitting with Christine Brooks. And Christine, this was your idea and that's why we're sitting here, because yep. it was your idea. Absolutely. So uh, give us a quick summary of why we're doing this series. Look, I think when my like my mum was diagnosed early in the uh, start of 2018 and I spent a lot of time sitting with mum in a room at the uh, McKellar Centre at uh, Barwon Health thinking about what is palliative care. Uh, and it was an opportunity. I spent, I spent a lot of time thinking about it and wondering why, how come I don't know about this? How come we're not talking about palliative care? How come we're not talking about death and, and dying? Um, and I was introduced to, to you uh, Dominic and um, together we've had some amazing conversations about palliative care, about death, about dying and we've taken it another level in that we've engaged with some great people, amazing professionals through Barwon Health to help us with those conversations and help us get some understanding and some conversation going around palliative care. So let's hear a bit more about your story. We recorded a, a couple of conversations at the end of 2018, mm-hmm. and that's what we're about to hear. I guess, uh, first thing I'll ask you, just see what comes yeah. off the top of your head, what is Room 64? Um, room 64 is the place where mum spent... <laughs> is this going to go well? Um, I, hate, <laughs> I hate bursting into tears all the time, but anyway, it's comes with the territory of room 64, I think. So room 64 is uh, the room where mum lived for the last three weeks of her life. And it was probably like a daggy motel room. It just had... Um, a bed in it. It had a little ensuite, which was very nice. Uh, had a nice little window in the corner where you could look out into uh, into a garden, or actually, it looked out into the to the little chapel at uh, the McKellar Centre. And um, had a little fridge, a couple of uh, uh, lounge chairs, and one a recliner, which I commandeered for myself. And that was probably it. We managed to put in some of her bulldog's memorabilia, and um, and I I don't think it necessarily was the bricks and mortar. It was more the, the people that were in there with her, and I was there every day. And Charles would come, my brother. He would be there at the end of the day mostly, and uh, between you know family and friends and and the wonderful staff and people of the McKellar Centre. She was unbelievably happy in that room 64 for three weeks. We had some uh, jam jars of whiskey that someone else had smuggled in. Jen Walsh, who's the coordinator of the volunteers had been who's a good mate of mum's she had been uh, telling one of the I think it might have been one of the social workers at 
in the palliative care team about mum and that mum was Scott, a Scots woman. And, um, and I, I guess people always pricked up their ears when they um, heard about mum because she was 100 and, um, and with it. So this husband of the social worker um, smuggled in two jam jars with whiskey. They were, they were great whiskies. And, you know, unfortunately, mum doesn't drink whiskey, or fortunately, because then I managed to polish it off and any visitors that came in, we just sort of smuggled them some whiskey. If you can articulate it, like, what difference does something like that make? Oh. Being able to have a, a nip in there or something to give people... What difference does it make? You know, it just made you feel like it just made you feel like it was home. We, you know, and it was like a bit of a it was a, just a running joke, and it was funny, and it was. Mum thought it was interesting, although at times she did get quite concerned that she would get into trouble um, for having whiskey. You know, so we had to we had to hide it in her drawer. Um, so it was a bit cheeky. It made me feel. Um, when I got stressed that I had something to drink um, and and it was a story to tell and how caring was it of that guy who we've never met to give us two little jam jars with whiskey in them. I thought that was lovely. I don't know, it's one of the things about the stories of Room 64 and, and no doubt everybody else that has... Um, had a bed in room 64, has got stories, unique stories of their own. So how much time over that period of three weeks um, that your mum was in there, how much time did you spend there? Uh, I was there every day. Yeah. So depending on my state of mind, sometimes I'd get there at half past six, sometimes I'd get there at seven, sometimes I'd get there at 8.30. Um, and I would stay, <coughs> excuse me, I would stay there all day. I'd just, you know, park around the back, cut across the the garden and the grass, and in the mornings, because it was winter and cold, in the mornings I would always see that my footsteps were the first footsteps on the grass, and I'd walk in the back door, near, walk through the fish tank, they were a great big fish tank, and Mum's room, 64, was just um, near the reception desk, and she was always happy to see me. And I just hung out with her. Made sure she was okay and looked after. Um, read her, read, you know, we, I read lots of books. Mum would hop in the wheelchair and um, we'd go for a walk around the building. She slept a lot. Um, people came to visit her, you know, like Jen would always come over and visit her. Russell would come and visit her. There was always people coming in and out. And I... I was always adamant that I needed to be there when the doctors were there um, so that I knew what, what was going on. Yeah, people were just very friendly, very professional and very supportive. Um, I'd stayed overnight one night and in the morning I was just sort of um, lying in the chair, waiting for Mum to wake up, and uh, one of the catering women came in and asked me, "Did I want some breakfast?" And I said, "No, no I'll be fine." 
So off she went. And then she came back about five minutes later with some toast and some orange juice. She said, you will not be fine. You need to eat some breakfast, Uh, which was lovely. You know, that was just really nice. was she like over you know if you had to um describe her personality you know what was your mum like everybody liked her she was a very very nice person very accepting like she was and very very happy in her own skin like where did she come from where was she born mum was born in scotland um her early years are a little bit sketchy when she was born, she was um, put into an orphanage. And, you know, she used to tell the story of um, when she learnt to knit with two twigs and, uh, and a piece of wool. They would knit something, you know, at playtime, you know, in a day at school. And when they'd finished knitting it on the day, they'd rip it out so they had a piece of wool for the next day. So, like, she never had much in her life ever really in a whole hundred years she probably never had much she talked about the orphanage being a place that was cruel but at the same time in the next sentence she would also say that they taught her how to make sponge cakes and how to knit and as a result she was grateful of that so she was just such a grateful person and a good friend like a very good friend she had lots of friends and um loved people to pop in, as she would call it, and uh, sit around the kitchen table with some scones and a cup of tea. That was Mum's idea of a good time. Mum tells the story of George, my dad, coming to visit and her being introduced to him and him in the doorway and his head nearly touching the, you know, the top of the the door because he was a very tall man. Mum was tiny and being impressed with, you know, impressed with him. And I think it hit, uh, they kicked off from from there. Um, George was a, uh, worked as a, Meatworks, Anglis's Meatworks in Footscray and um, they ended up getting a house they married and got a house in um, Droop Street in Footscray hence the connection to the Western Bulldogs or in those days the Footscray Football Club and um, mum I don't think ever had an interest in football until she you know, hooked up with George and um, the Footscray Football Club became we all bled red, white and blue really and um, have done ever since so It was very clear to anyone that came into room 64 that my mum was a Western Bulldog supporter and, and I, you know, the doctor would come and see my mum every day. Very seldom did he talk to her about anything medical. Mm-hmm. He would come in and talk to her about the Western Bulldogs. How did they go on the weekend, Evelyn, you know? And that 
made such a difference to her because he was he was talking to her about something that she loved rather than trying to talk to her about medical things which she wasn't in wasn't remotely interested in What I felt like I was getting from Barwon Health was a complete package. There was one phone number, there was one connecting point, it was 24 hours. I just felt like it was concerned about mum, the individual, concerned about us as a, as a family. And, and, and actually we're, we're using this term palliative care here. Like what, what would a carer do for your mum when they came out? They just really checked up on all her, um, any health concerns she had. They make sure that you've got all the things you need in the house. And they made some great recommendations about things that she was doing that she could do differently that might help her. Uh, one classic was, because mum walked on a frame, like a wheelie frame thing, and um, they watched her walk from her chair in down to her bedroom and mum's feet were starting to drag and they gave her a tip on how to to stop her feet from dragging and um, you know probably for the three months after they got she got that tip lift your feet lift your feet and she would say that you know and that was that was a small thing but she loved that advice that tip that advice and they were very, this was interesting as well, they were very conscious of not wanting to invade mum's space because in reality mum was the same same person she was before she went into hospital as she was when she came out of hospital. The only difference was she'd been diagnosed with cancer. So, you know, she was the same person and it, it's really easy to get caught up in that oh, well, now you're Evelyn Brooks with cancer. But hang on a minute, you're just Evelyn Brooks still, you know, which is pretty good. Being Evelyn Brooks was pretty good. Um, So we just wanted to maintain that business as usual, but making sure that she had the supports in place, both medical and from a personal care point of view, that would enable her to continue to just be Evelyn Brooks, Mm -hmm. knitting, cooking, having friends pop in. That's what we wanted to be able to do. And Barwon Health Palliative Care Team enabled us to do that. How were you feeling about your mum going into this phase that you probably knew was the last stage of her life? Yep. yep. Um, look, I, w- I was pretty... I was Well, we all were pretty devastated. And people say things to you like, oh, well, you know, she is 100, Christine. She's probably not going to be around for long. And it's like, well, hang on a minute. She's she's a hundred, but she's a pretty impressive a hundred year old, and she'll be around for as long as she wants to be, you know. Um, so, I, like, I was, I, the emotional side of it was all over the place, and and it was it was sad. I was angry. That wasn't what I expected to happen. Like, I wanted my mum to just not wake up one morning. And that's that's what I wanted to happen. And 
and that changed, you know. That's, that just changed. Um, so that, that was... I was really pissed off about that. I, I just thought, God, you get to 100 and some doctor comes in and tells you you've got cancer. I don't think so. You know, I just don't think that's right. What were the changes happening with your mum where you realise, okay, we've got to, we've got to move yeah. in to permanent yep. residential care? Um, mum wanted to stay at home and she was becoming more and more frail and was requiring more and more help to get in and out of bed. Uh, so that was, the, that was the first thing. I suspect she was in a lot of pain but she would never say that. Um, but I, she was very uncomfortable. That's probably the best way to describe it. And she was just spending most of the day in bed. Excuse me. And she wasn't eating very well. She really came to the decision herself because she woke up one morning and just said to me, I think I need to go to hospital. And th- this is important because... Be- the relationship we had with the community health nurses or health team from Bowen Health, that enabled me to ring them up and say, look, mum's saying she wants to go to hospital. And one of the nurses was coming that day. Well, she just took over like that. She just said, OK, now you sure about that, Evelyn? Yep, I think it's the right thing to do. Great, she said. And it was like... It was just like a whole weight was lifted off my shoulders. And by 3.30 that afternoon, Mum was in a bed at the McKellar Centre. Throughout that whole uh, 10 days she was there, Peter, the doctor, said to her on a regular basis, she can go home whenever you like and you can always come back. Because Mum was scared if she went home, she wouldn't be able to come back. Um, And he said, no, you can come and go whenever whenever you like. Now, I'm sure they have rules about that stuff, but, you know, that was the message that he was trying to get across. Uh, And that was a very comforting message for Mum. It made a huge difference to her her state of mind. She was very comfortable to stay there as long as she knew she could go home if she wanted to. And and how was your Mum's state of mind as time goes on? And did she talk about kind of approaching the end of her life? Did she... I mean, I don't know if it's something like it wasn't something that my mum did when she was mm. in in hospital. She, she was of a generation, kind of the same generation as your mum actually, and it wasn't really something yeah. to talk about in that way. Yeah. You know. um, it's interest. It's an interesting thing, Dominic, because I don't. I think you're absolutely right. It's an era where they don't want to talk about it, and mum, mum didn't want to talk about dying or not being here or what was going to happen to you know she she or when mum did die we were you know we had to clean up her lovely unit in Anglesey um we found little um little scraps of paper with messages on them in the house so you know Charles and Christine 
don't send this plate to the op shop. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, just little little messages that she clearly not wanted to acknowledge that we were going to have to clean the house up when she was gone. And I don't want you to send that dinner set to the op shop. <laughs> so she, she knew it, I think, but she didn't want to talk about it. When did you realise then that you were getting towards the end? She was in the McCallum Centre for three weeks. And it was the last, it was 10 days um, where I, I knew this is, you know, we're on the, we're, well, this isn't looking good. Um, and mum basically just was not able to communicate, not able to eat, not able to drink. Um, and that was for me the realisation that she was, you know, going. And the doctor was very, very honest about that, you know. he. But, um, the, yeah, the last 10 days she was really just lying, you know, just lying in the bed, really, um, and couldn't communicate with us. So we just sat with her and talked to her about the footy or, you know, friends and family, what the kids were doing, um, and just kept her company. Yeah, so that last 10 days was probably the my realisation where I wasn't going to have my mum anymore. Mm. How was Charles... Uh, your brother through this yeah he was a bit of a rock really he was very good he he was very helpful and um he was very supportive um in his own way um and very supportive of mum as well Uh, were you both there then when she when she died we were in the in the morning we both we got the phone call in the morning and um we both went in and yeah we were we were there when when she died, so so that was that was good. Um, even that was so respectful, you know, like a lovely sign on the on Mum's door on the room sixty four door with a, some flowers and you know please don't enter you know family only I think it was family only please speak to reception. It was just lovely, you know, and. Um, she had, you know, a nice rose and um, she just looked very peaceful. She just looked very, very peaceful. How do the moments after she dies pass? Um, what do you do and then how do you emerge back out into the currents of stuff that needs to be done? Yeah. Um, Well, I I couldn't quite deal with um, mum being taken away by the um, undertakers. Um, Tuckers were the undertakers and, again, they were just unbelievably respectful and and professional um was that was the below were lovely but i just couldn't quite cope with that part of the process um so i i actually left and went home um and dealt let charles deal with that what, what do you remember about walking out to the car park and <laughs> um 
I remember the fish tank. Um, that's very strong in my mind. I remember the the grass from the fish tank to my car, and then I don't remember much. Um, yeah. So we sent Mum off with her Western Bulldogs scarf and her her favourite nightie, a ball of wool and some knitting needles. She had a lovely funeral with the piper playing Amazing Grace and uh, a video of Mum actually on the screen knitting, um, which was fantastic. And now it's a year later nearly and I'm I'm talking to you about it all. And um, So how do we say goodbye at the end of this episode? That's an amazing journey that you've shared with us, right? I'd, I'd really, I don't, I don't quite know how to end the episode and perhaps, perhaps we don't need to end it and maybe we just keep on saying we're just going to continue these conversations. So in, uh, in part two, we'll hear a bit more about palliative care from the perspective of somebody who works in the field every day and it's a, it's a great conversation about how she sees her work and the role communities can play in helping us to care for our loved ones. So if you need any more information about palliative care, begin at the Barwon Health website, barwonhealth.org.au. And that's it from us, right? Yep, absolutely. I'm Christine Brooks. He's Dominic Dominic Black. Black.